back, everyone, to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. Uh, we're up to episode 10. Uh, you've got Catfish uh, with you, as always, and I'm joined by Bear on the other end of the line. How's your week been? Hey, mate. Yeah, it's um, been a good week. I think I've finally overtaken you, so happy days. Didn't take you long to mention that one. <laughs> it was for that Cardi chat earlier. <laughs> so yeah, I had I had a pretty mediocre week. I scored one thousand one hundred and forty, which dropped me another almost two and a half thousand spots. So I'm sitting around seven thousand three hundred now, which is not ideal. But it's so tight up the top that I'm only a couple hundred points off into the top two three thousand anyway. So uh, if if not even closer than that, so I'm not really too worried at this point in time. Yeah, it was um, a pretty hectic week. I got uh, 1,232, which um, generally I'd be pretty happy about, but there was some absolute monster scores. Like that bloke who got 1,477, that's huge. But uh, mine was good enough to um, take me up a couple of rankings, so I'm back at uh, 4,559. And like you said, it's pretty tight up there. So um, anywhere back there's pretty uh, you're looking good for a top thousand finish if you keep it going for the rest of the season yeah we're not even at the buys yet and that's where you know a lot can happen it's also important not to get you know too worried or panic because i had a look at my score and sure it's not great but i only really made two mistakes this week in my team one is i i made a last minute decision to to play the wrecking ball just due to people talking about how he's going to go well against that right edge of the bunnies and I got, you know, got a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, and swapped him in for my last reserve, which ended up ma- meaning that I couldn't play um, Bryce Cartwright, which that ended up costing me about 45 points. And the other mistake I made this week was just to take the captaincy off Ponga and put him on a cook because I just got a bit worried about the weather. It was meant to rain uh, on, the, on the Gold Coast on Sunday, which obviously didn't happen, and um, that cost me a couple more points. So I could have ended up scoring about 1,200 this week, which would have been much better, and I, I think I would have seen a small green arrow if I had done that. So that's all it is. You know, 60-odd points saw me drop a, home, a couple thousand uh, spots, so it's it's really tight. Yeah, mate, I, I'd um, luckily missed um, playing Ockenborough. I went CHT instead, but, um, yeah, I went CHT instead of Burr, so... Who would have thought Burr would have put up double games in the 70 points? He's um, turned into a pretty good cow, so I'm pretty happy with him. And I also um, went the safe captain with Cook. Um, just because I've got Braley there as an AE, so I need to get rid of him um, as soon as possible because it stops you from having a um, decent swing at a vice captain. So um i've got i had I had to get ha- uh, Haas this weekend i'm bringing cleary in but as soon as i get a chance to um offload someone in a luxury trade i'll have to get rid of young braley i think yeah definitely um i mean it's not like someone didn't warn you about braley at the start of the season right yeah i know <laughs> all good all right so just a quick shout out um as always from our Supercoach champions group um we've got a, a a joint leader at the moment. So we've got Sam, coach of the George Panhands, and Ben, who's the coach of Fortune's Fools, both sitting in joint 34th position overall. So that's really getting up into the party end. So well done, both of you, and, yeah, good luck keeping that going. Uh, I, I think, you know, just looking at last week's um, 
coach the Benji Marshalls. I think they didn't go as well this week, and I, I had a look. They they dropped to 130 something. So it is really tight there. That's probably only a difference of you know probably you know 20 30 points. So yeah, I wouldn't get too stressed if um, I think it's Lachlan. I think it was. So yeah, good luck keeping around up there as well. All right. So looking at this week, uh, you mentioned that you're trading in Nathan Cleary. And, and obviously paying Haas. I'm actually doing the same two trades myself. And I think at the same time, a lot of people are really considering, you know, are, are, are we going to go for these kind of cheaper guns uh, with a low break-even, uh, guys who might not play round 12, for example, or guys who will play Origin? Or do you chase, you know, your round 12 numbers at this point? So uh, this, uh, I guess, just shout out quickly to Surge Buster, from uh, the NRL Supercoach Talk site. Uh, he's come at us with this question, which I think is really good. So he's he's asked, um, well, he, he's mentioned that he's holding, uh, I assume that's Dylan Brown, uh, and then Ruben Garrick and Mike Acevo for round 12, and he's still looking only at uh, fielding about 10 or 11 for that week. So he asked, how many are you targeting on the field? It's so tight at the top that an extra 150 points is a couple of thousand spots this season. So I think that really, yeah, it's a great talking point. So, um, Guy, how many are you aiming for yourself for round 12 at this point in time? Okay, I um, I think I'll take it back to you about um, bringing in Cleary first before I answer the how many I'm looking for round 12. There's two lines of thinking here, and I, I, I'm thinking about Cleary and Luttrell in particular, who I brought in last week. Um, Depending on how you view them, as I, I view them as being the top, in Latrell's case, a top four centre wing at the end of the year, and Cleary is probably a top two or three halfback at the end of the year. So, in my opinion, for them, getting them at their cheapest price is better going forward for me than maybe going for someone like. Mitchell Moses, who will play 12. And I, I understand Moses had a massive game uh, on the weekend, but I, I can't. History says he won't back that up for too long. So I, um, I just think having uh, Cleary over him for the run through to the origin period and only missing the one extra game, I think from here to the end, Cleary will outscore him. So um, I think getting him cheaper is a better option, in my opinion. Obviously, some others might think different. Um, same for Latrell. I brought him in at base price. I know there's the, there was the option of Gutho, who's a little who's on fire at the minute, but um, I think I'd be paying overs for him as well. Whereas Latrell's at base price, so um, for me, I had to bring those guys in earlier and look towards getting um, players like Gutho, um, even. Cody Walker, I'll probably look at him a bit later, but I'd rather get them on the downswing because I think at the moment I'm, you'd probably be paying overs for them. So that's just um, my theory. I think when when I looked at Origin last year, I, I thought I want as many guns as possible for uh, round 12 So that were playing. So I didn't want fellas like... Um, Oh, I don't know, Terrapo, who might have only played, um, scored 40 or 50 points. Um, 
things like that. I just think if you have 10 or 11 guns, that's better than, say, having eight guns and five mid-price players who mightn't score the points you're thinking and then they look at losing money and then you have to try and trade them out with not enough trades. So for me, I look at that. I'd look what what Serge has about 10 guns and then hopefully have a few guys who might rise in price. So the fella I'm looking at bringing in might be Waddell. So instead of bringing him in now, I might carry Gerbo through and then trade him down to Waddell who... He's on the bench. He's named on the bench anyway, so he might stay the similar or lose some money by round twelve, and then you could drop down. He has that big game and spikes, so that that's how I look at it. I think trying to get as many of the big guns in as you can, and then picking up a few guys who look like they're going to rise in um, price over that period, and just rely on your big guns to score the majority of your points. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think I, I probably approach it a little bit differently. So, I mean, in my head, I've got roughly 12 to 14 at the moment, just thinking, um, well, you know, 14 if you're going to count the likes of, you know, holding someone like a Ruben Garrick or a Mike Sivo just for the extra numbers. I agree that, you know, the more guns that you can get that play that week, uh, the better. And, I mean, for me, what I look at is I break it down by looking at, you know, what teams actually play for round 12 and then thinking through per team, you know, what are, who are the actual players in these teams that I would actually be happy to have uh, in my in my super coach team for the season? Uh, because those are the targets that I might consider trying to grab, you know, right now when we're six weeks out from that buy. So, you know, these are guys like we're looking at Kikau, uh, Reese Martin, guys like that in, in you know the last one or two weeks. That's why there was so much interest in, in trading those guys in. Uh, obviously, you know, right now with what's going on with both of those guys, I think, you know, let's let's hold off for a little bit and see how the scores go and if their situation improves. But for me, like if we're this far out, I'm I'm focusing on the season long guys that I'm happy to hold. Uh that that will obviously be, you know, one of the better, if not the best, you know, 10 or so players who'll play round 12 and then they can be happily sitting in my team for the remainder of the season if I want to, if I don't have to burn a trade on them. Alternatively, I mean, you know, holding these cheapies like your, your Dylan Browns and Garrick and Sivos, that's all well and good, but I feel that if you can put the money towards, you know, upgrading them to a gun, uh, especially, you know, someone who's going to go up in price now and hopefully maintain value uh, that's definitely an option there as well or even just putting their money towards guys who are going to help you score really well from you know in the next couple of rounds and then come rounds 10 11 and even rounds 12 looking at guys who will have your low break evens that you can take a punt on where you can downgrade to a cheapy like you know we'll obviously have to see if there's any that emerge over the coming weeks but taking a punt on those guys where you can hold them for the two weeks and if they don't kick on, um, you know, there could be a speculative trade down to someone who might go up in price for at least two weeks because they've got a spike score in round 10, for example, and then you can ride that high, you know, low break even for two weeks from rounds 11 and round 12 and then, you know, you can decide what you want to do with them in round 13 or afterwards. Um, if they kick on and they give you good scores, 
then you can hold them for a couple more rounds and then you know reassess as each week goes. If they don't do well, at least you got some points in round 12 and then you can move them on before their price drops again. So I think that's how I would normally approach it. But I mean, if we had to break down the actual teams, like let's look at round 12. So, you know, again... Fish, sorry, just before you do that, I'll I'll give you um, an example of what I'd be looking at um, with some of those players for Surge. So what I mean by going the guns instead of the, um, like, those bit players would probably be like... Um, so Sivo, he had that big score, and he'll go as Parago. They're a middle-of-the-road team who will probably struggle against the better teams and trample ones below them like the Tigers when they gave up points. But um, if I could, I'd turn Garrick into, say, maybe a rookie who might play someone like Harper from the Bulldogs. Um, and then I'd turn Sivo into someone like um, BJ Leilua or even Wacker Blake if he moves back to the left-hand side of the field. And so for over origin, I'd rather have one of those guys who've been a gun in the past and live and die by their score rather than having the Sevo and Garrick combination there and missing a gun. That's So that's sort of where I was going with that. Um, I understand there's um, reason, like if Tommy Turbo comes back, Garrick might get better scores because Turbo can set up players outside him. But that was just the line of thinking I was going down by having the the guns in the team rather than the um, not having the gun and having two role players. Oh, okay. That that makes a bit more sense then. So, I mean, that's pretty speculative, though, if you're taking a punt on a cheapie who might play that week because um, it then might end up, you know, being a dead spot in your team, though. If, let's say, Harper doesn't actually get to play because he gets injured or something like that. I mean, is that the risk you run there? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he he just becomes an MPR. But, I mean, I'd rather have, say, um, let's say BJ against the um, Bulldogs. He could score 100. And he Sevo might play against South and score, say, 40. And Garrick might get a 10. So, you've got one player, even with an MPR, who's gone 100 and, another, and two others who could potentially... Um, combined to give you 50 points so at the end of the day you wouldn't be out I mean BJ could fail as well and that's the risk you take but um I just found that um by watching these sorts of players when they got on a run leading up to origin um I had maybe like 10 guys on you who'd score well and then I was lucky enough to have a few come in that were role players who scored but um yeah I'd just rather have those guys who've proven themselves who can score big, like that yep. Garrick 10 was pretty bad. So that, that was just my line of thinking. Yep, man, I can certainly see the logic in that. So, all right, so what I was about to do was just to obviously quickly recap what are the teams playing round 12. So uh, I've got the Bulldogs, uh, the Raiders, you got the Titans, you got the Seagulls, the Cowboys, the Eels, the Panthers, and the Rabbitohs. So from those teams, um, it's worth obviously you know, noting that some of them, some of these teams will lose a number of players to Origin. Uh, so you'd think, you know, say with the Bunnies, they're going to at least lose Damien Cook. They're most likely going to lose Gagai as well. Uh, there's talk that they might lose Cody Walker uh, as he's in, you know, with a shot for the halves. 
Uh, I mean, there was even talk that Campbell Graham was a smoky for a wing spot, which kind of blew my mind a little. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be on the cards there. A little bit early. Yeah. Um, so, look, the, what, what obviously you'd want to do is go through, highlight, uh, you know, w- what players are likely to be missing from these teams. And you might think, well, if South, uh, if the Bunnies are missing that many players, then maybe they're not actually going to be as strong that week. And alternatively, you might also think, well, if, if say, Damien Cook's going to be going, who's going to play in his stead? And that's why, obviously, quite early on, a lot of people identified Billy Britton as a legitimate option to, you know, perhaps downgrade a Blake Braley to, or even start the season with having that Cook-Britton combo, knowing that if Cook was out or injured, Britton would come into the squad. And, I mean, none of us know what he would be like as a supercoach option, but at least he will play. And, you know, if Cook's out long-term, then there's a chance that he's going to play a number of games and make money and, and so on and so forth. So that's something that I would definitely spend some time doing and writing those names down so that, you know, you've got that clear idea in place. But then even going through looking at, you know, let's say looking at the Raiders, they're a good team uh, to, to highlight because there's a number of really common and relevant supercoach options. Like everyone will need to have a John Bateman uh, Chance Nickel Clockstad, you need those two guys in your round 12 lineup. That's, I mean, we all have them pretty much already, but you need to make sure you've got them because there's chance the chances of them scoring well on that week are, are high, and you don't want to be left behind because every team will have them. Um, so it's worth probably going through each of the each each of the teams playing in the bye, and having a look at exactly which of those players, you know, are, are going to be extremely highly owned. And you you want to make sure they're in your team, then you might going to work work through like you know you highlighted before B J Lelua as a real pod that could um, I mean his ownership's around two percent at the moment so uh, that's no like no doubt going to change from now until round twelve but he's you know a high ceiling player who's done it before who's who's got a proven supercoach pedigree. Um, you know, obviously that pedigree varies a little from his peak year in 2016 and the subsequent years, but we know he can turn up at any point. And obviously that's, you know, a really good option. And no, no doubt uh, Jordan Rapana uh, or Rapana uh, next to him as well. You know, there's, there's a number of options at the Raiders that you could really take a punt on as a bit of a pod. Um, so, yeah, just working through those teams to, to, to identify your options and I think, yeah, ultimately, you, you, what I would like to do is work out, well, which of these guys are going to be season-long holds and how many would, would I realistically be able to put in my team from what it looks like now. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to spend every single one of my trades focusing on round 12 keepers because at the end of the day, yeah, they, these guys could be season-long holds, but they might not be, you know, potentially the top, 10 center wing options for example for bj he could end up being you know maybe top 15 but not top 10 uh, so if there are better options that you want to have in your team you know for the end of season uh, you might think well maybe one thing i'd like to do is actually get isan masters this week sure he doesn't cover around 12 but he's going to cover around 16 and i'd rather have him earlier now giving me better scores from rounds you know, seven onwards as opposed to focusing so much just on round 12 um, because, you know, y- y- your projection of how Masters will score 
comparative to uh, Le Lua, um, you know, you, if you work out what you expect both of them to average for the rest of a season, you kind of think, well, I could get more points now. Sure, I miss out on round 12, but then I'll keep getting them while other people then try to get Masters in before round 16. So I guess that's another way you can kind of look at it uh, after you've, you know, really mapped out those numbers for round 12. And then, you know, if you've got the time, start doing that for round 16 as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I can agree with that. Like, like you said, um, and if people are burning through trades early, you need you need you really need to plan to have an idea of how many you will want at after the origin period and and planning how much how many you might need to bring in those players that you want in your starting 17 if you trade out um origin players such as Gerbo if you want him back um Arrow maybe if you want him back um even if you started with Cleary and you trade him out and you might want him back too so it is a bit of a juggling act, and like you said, if there's injuries in there, um, people mightn't even get um, around to Masters by the time 16 comes along. So, it, yeah, it's a fair argument. Um, and like like many people have said, the, the um, covering the buys has changed a lot from uh, teams having missing two games rather than just the one. It, it does make it a bit easier. So. Yeah, it is tough, but you just need to try and pick a strategy and go for it. I think it also depends, too, on um, where you're ranked coming into it. If you're towards the top, you might only have to stick with a solid side and maybe let people eat into your lead, but then consolidate it through those rounds when the buy's off. Other people haven't maybe bringing in a player who's a bit who plays 12, but is then losing points because the the guns come back and they go to a smaller role. So it's still a juggling act, but yeah, you can approach it a couple of different ways. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I, I'm more likely to sell the likes of, well, I think well, I sold Sivo last week, which I regret already, but I did. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to sell Garrick this week. And um, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I, I think, yeah, he could, you know, spike again in price. He just needs to score another try or, or get some attacking stats. But I just don't think, you know, the cash is going to... It's more likely to disappear with that 10 in the the ten in the rolling average. Um, and, and I just don't want to take the risk that he's going... Like, I would basically be relying on him to score a try this week to, to avoid losing bulk cash. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to ditch him and, um, you know use the money to upgrade to someone who's either going to give me plenty of points now and um or, or you know be be a, a round 12 gun yeah and, and like you said um there, there's also uh the potential to and on, i've traded him out and i know a lot of people other people have but um even looking at someone like Braden burns if um bringing him back in because he'll still have the um negative break even so if you bring him back in leading up into origin then um i, th- I even think trades like that are worth making so if um if if garrick cops his 10 and reduces low in price and um turbo comes back in and he's cheap maybe he can even be a downgrade target on that i know you're wasting trades doing that but um sometimes you've got to do it 
Yeah, and a lot of it, at the end of the day, you've got to back your gut. Um, I know some people feel pretty strongly about you know, the likes of Clint Gutherson, Mitch Moses, or you know, BJ Leilua, all those kinds of options. They're, you know, they're, they're legitimate options. Um, but, you, I mean, you talked before about how you felt Moses, um, you know, he's shown a history of not being able to, uh, you know, maintain his consistency, to, to put it lightly. Um, and that could obviously impact whether or not he's an actual buy this week or, you know, whether whether you want to get him in at all, uh, let alone this week. Yeah, so at the end of that, like, that's just my opinion on the um, Paris side. Though I was I was pretty impressed that um, when the Tigers crumbled, they, they kept their foot on the throat. So they, they are showing signs that they're a um, much improved team and maybe Moses is maturing and I'm pretty wrong, but... Just going off, like off history, like Oates did the same thing earlier this year. He had that, those two big hundreds, and now he's reverted to what he is. Although the Broncos are struggling a bit as well, yeah. So I, I, I just, I just can't fully trust him just yet. Good, good luck to you if you've already brought him into your team and cop that score. But yeah, it's not for me. That's fair. Look, we'll come back to. Mitch Moses a bit later on. Uh, so, all right, look, let's take a couple of questions um, as as always. I think they, you guys provide us with some really interesting talking points each week, so we'll run through that. Uh, so first question we're going to field is from Defib at 12 Shock. So a bit of a long one, but, um, you know, shout out to Defib. He's one of the first um, champs who came on board for us. So he's um, talking follow-up on when uh, so that's when in uh, when in Rome, from uh, the Supercoach Talk site again. So he had a bit of a controversial point last week. Uh, so is the fact that it's so type, so is the fact that it's so tight in the top five percent or so? Uh, so it's brackets five hundred points between six thousand to first. Evidence that there is too much info out there. Does that put more premium on pods early in the season? Uh, would you change the three game price? change rule to increase the risk slash reward or trades to benefit those doing the research? Um, there is a lot of pods in that out there, but I mean, it's a, um, people seem to be listening to them and can't get enough in fantasy sports. So I think it's just going to grow. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you can listen to it, but, um, you pick your own side and there's there's enough um i mean generally there's only one winner so there's enough variation uh throughout 25 rounds that you you do have a winner so it, it might be close but um yeah i, I don't know I, I still think trying to get um the highly owned players at the start is the right move and then pot up a little bit later um or even look at guys at the minute like Wong Blake, who's under 400k, and he he had a pretty good game last week. But um, it, it, like just seeing if he moves back to the left and jumping on in enough time, things like that. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't mind the um, initial risk uh, price increase. I think that'd um, be pretty interesting, but. I mean, 
so many people play, and gen- sometimes it's more if it's not um, broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Look, I think, um, you know, is there too much info? I mean, I, I don't think so. Because if you look at, say, the US with NFL and, you know, NBA and all of those other fantasy versions, uh, look, there's so much more info out there for those types of games. And, I mean, sure, they play draft style more so than, a, you know, an overall kind of classic uh, style that we do with NRL Supercoach. So having said that, you know, there's a lot of differentiation in teams. Sure, there are going to be teams out there that are very similar. And I know some people are complaining because their head-to-head matchups are already down to, you know, anywhere from one to four players uh, as players of difference only. But the, the fact that we're all jammed up, I think, is also reflective of the fact that there's been a lot of inconsistency this year um, in, in players. Like, there's not that many players who have been reliable week in, week out uh, that... You know they're they're pumping out points, big points every week. So even a lot of the highly owned players that you know went large last week, they would have been quieter the week before. Even you know let's take um, Gutho or or Sean Lane, both of them you know scored quite well this week, but the week before they weren't as great. So you know if you played them the pre- previous week and you played them this week as well, chances are you know your average f- for the two weeks is. Yeah, it, it's going to put you fairly close to a lot of other people around who might have played different players that, you know, again, average the same, even though they didn't score as well this most recent week. So I think that's probably why I think there's a lot of score, you know, a lot of teams jammed up together. And I think as soon as we maybe land on some of the more consistent options for the long term, um, you know, outside of the you know the the back rollers and the center wings and things like that, I think that's where you'll see a bit more differentiation and and you know the the ranks spreading out a bit more long term. And I agree. I mean, I've always been pretty keen on having the first game price changes, uh, but I can imagine it would shake up the the whole pricing change um, system or some sort. So it could be difficult for Supercoach to be able to implement in one season. So, I mean. It, I'm sure it's something they looked at or they will look at. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, another in, bit of an interesting question from Jacob at Mr. Jacob Shepherd, another one of our champs. So he's asked for our opinion. So what do you think about Supercoach adding chips slash wildcards to the game? So, for example, a one-off triple captain chip or a one-use wildcard where you have unlimited free trades for that round. Uh, so he... Uh, this is an idea coming from fantasy, um, the English Premier League for fantasy there. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, that, uh, it's just a different setup, but too, like, they have, they have, like, double game weeks and all that sort of stuff. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm not on board with that one as much as the um initial changes after round one. Yeah, I think the wild card is pretty out there. I can imagine that would really make a lot of teams look similar. So I, I'm not on board with that. A one off triple captainship. Yeah, I mean it sounds very quite a novel idea, but I can imagine I'd be like 
you know, spewing if my captain, my triple captain, you know, did a Robbie Farrer and um, copped a HIA after, you know, 10 minutes or so and, and scored a six. That would be really, you know, almost season ending, you could imagine. Yeah, so I think, and just because it's um, rugby league's more high contact and things like that can happen, it, it, I think it would just be too much of a disadvantage if something like that happened rather than just a um, double score every week. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't agree with that one. Yeah, and I think you said it before, if it ain't broke, why, why, why change it, right? Yeah. All right, uh, next question. So Rob Elkington, uh, thoughts on Flegler to Jai Whitbread as a downgrade moneymaker and as a round 12 number with Ryan James uh, gone injured. So if you hadn't heard the news, he's uh, done his ACL and he's, uh, he's been ruled out for the season. So Whitbread, uh, it's his third game. So he's 181,100, negative break uh, even of 23. So, you know, he, he, he's coming off a score of 48 because he's got some extra minutes of Ryan James going down. Um, look, I think he's a, he's a viable downgrade option. Um, I assume this is, these are people who already have Payne Haas, picked them up early, and they're looking for another cheapy option. Uh, I think my concern for him is more to do with the bench um, and also the fact that um, Jared Wallace isn't in the team right now because he's still serving his suspension. Um, so Whitbread has been named to number 17. He's got Max King and also Morgan Boyle. Sorry, not Morgan Boyle. He's gone to the Seagulls. Uh, he's got... Fodawaker. <laughs> he's got Fodawaker uh, as the starter at the moment. Um, so there's every chance that Whitbread could be dropped, potentially. Just, I mean, it's Garth Brennan. It's just so hard to know who he's got ahead and who he's got behind, because Fodawaker uh, missed the week a couple of weeks ago. I don't think it was injury related. Um, I can't find any information about why he was dropped. So if he's not actually ahead of Whitbread, then he'd, Whitbread obviously would be a great option. But if he actually is ahead because he's starting this week, then if Jared Wallace comes back and, and Max King's ahead, um, then there's every chance Whitbread could be dropped. So you could grab him and then, you know, he could sit on your bench for a while and then, you know, assuming round 12, Jair is out uh, and he's playing Origin, uh, then obviously Whitbread would come back in and play decent minutes. So, look, it's not the worst, but you'd think for, you know, burning a trade, you'd want to get a bit more value than just, you know, one or two price rises. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan with that many players around. I think if 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 you knew he'd lock down the starting gig, then yeah, for sure. But coming off the bench, same as Woodell, he he could, he's he's been named back on the bench. Don't know if he'll be a late starter or what. But yeah, I'd just I'd just wait and see. I'd rather try. I'd rather pay a bit of a tax on him and bring them in at um four round twelve if they're starting, especially if they're going to make some money, rather than bring them in now and just um hope and see yeah i think i'd have to agree there all right next question comes from uh bazinga sc that's at matt dadini uh shout outs to baz it's in a couple of our super coach groups uh so he asks who is the best premium center wing trade-in option out of latrell bj and gutho so he's asking us to look at take into account so the current price the upcoming draw and also whether they cover round 12 
So uh, just real quick, Latrell, 556,700. It's got a break-even of eight this week. Uh, compared to BJ, 518,400, break-even of 23. And you've got Guffer, the most expensive, at 608,800, break-even of 71. Now, of those three, um, BJ definitely covers around 12, and Guffer as well. Uh, Latrell's, uh, well, the Roosters don't play around 12, and he'd be an origin anyway plus uh, Gutho. So the question mark is, um, you know, he he's in such good form. Like, do you think he's in the origin conversation? Um, possibly. He's in good enough form. I'm just, um, I don't know. They've, they, they need someone who can cover that hooker spot, though, in case um, Cook goes down and, um. Yeah. So um. For that you think reason, that gets you think that gets Peachy to stay in there, even yeah, though Peachy's been out of form. Yeah, I th- I think so. Just be- because they won too, they might want to chop and change too much. And um, I get that. Um, I get that. Gutho can cover a lot of positions, but I've I've never seen him at um hooker. So. I I just think um, that that utility needs to be able to do it. You you could argue if they put Murray in, maybe he could cover it. But um, then you've got Gutho on the bench covering where you've got one of your forward rotations out. So um, generally, your utility should be able to cover Hooker. So yeah, yeah, he he's he's in with a shot, but I'm I'm not too sure. So I think he'll probably be able to play twelve. Yeah, the only other thing I was thinking is, well, Tom Tommy Turbo, he's going to be out, so Gutho could potentially play wing, um, unless you know, obviously Ferguson's the the more obvious option to come in, but you know, Fergus potentially had his cards marked in previous years due to his, let's say, negative influence on the team. I mean, uh, after, after watching Zerry burn Gutho, Sherry burn Gutho, I don't I don't know if I want Gutho on the wing. <laughs> That's fair, uh, but you know Bronson it's... Sherry, don't you know he's the fastest man in 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 the NRL already? Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's just you're making so many moving parts. Like, I, I just don't see why they'd move away from a winning side unless um, form is that far down or playing someone that far out of the position. So. Um, I'd, I'd, even if that happened, they might even be better with going someone like Kotrick or someone like that who's a specialist winger rather than take a pun on um, Gutho. That's yeah. just my opinion anyway. That's fair. I mean, Gutho came over from the Seagulls as a fullback slash winger and he, he he's played there a fair bit, so it's not like an unfamiliar position for him. But I take your point. Anyway, there's a bit of a sidetrack there. So coming back to it, um, so Luttrell, his upcoming draw. So Dragons at home, Tigers at home, Raiders up in Suncorp because that's the magic round. Then the Broncos again at Suncorp and the Knights away and then round 12 by after that. How do you reckon that draw looks for Luttrell? Um, a bit up and down. Dragons are pretty good defensively in that. Um, the game at um, 
the Anzac game between them and Roosters is normally pretty good. So um, that, that'll be a tough game. If the Tigers show up like they did against the Eels, he could put on a 1,000. The Raiders have actually got um, a pretty good defensive side this year, so um, that'll be interesting. Broncos have been leaking points and so are the Knights, but I, I, I just think for for someone who's he's got a break-even of eight, so even if he moves to 5-8 this week, um, he should cover that, but... Um, and I've also got a sneaking suspicion he might end up stay in the centres. But he's for me, he's just a kicker on the best attacking team in the comp who've been putting up 20-plus points. He, he can nearly get... You'd nearly call 16 points for him in kicks, part of his base, the way they've been scoring. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I just think... That uh, you're not going to get him much cheaper than this again. I can't see him dropping back to the early 500Ks. So um, that's why I brought him in last week and I stand by that decision. Yeah, all right. And then you've got BJ upcoming draw. So Seagulls away, uh, the Panthers at Wagga Wagga. And then you've got the Roosters up in Brisbane, the Bunnies at... Uh, at GIO Stadium, and then the Cowboys as well. And then round 12, they played the Bulldogs in Sydney. So I reckon that's uh, you know, a couple of tough games in there. But overall, especially with the Bulldogs in, in, in round 12, I think that's a pretty juicy draw for BJ, myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. And even those harder games like the Bunnies, he's got a pretty good matchup in that game. But um, you, you never can tell, hey, like... Uh, we've discussed that in Scum a bit about how um, players have been bought based on matchups and it's just turned to absolute crap for him. So I, I just think you need, I just base me playing on it by buying in the proven guns and it seems to even out over the course of the season. So with BJ, um, he's, he's the biggest rocks and diamonds player in the comp. So, um, who knows? He could play the Roosters and score a hundred, and then he might go out against the Cows and score twenty. So, um, if you bring him in, you do. You've got two options. You just got to hold him in there, hope he has a big season and ride the ups and downs, or jump on. Hopefully, he has a high run, and then you can um, sell him at his peak price. But um, it, it's just too unpredictable for me. So, um, I, I don't know if I'll be taking a pun on him, but. Um, He's he's at a yeah and and just at five eighteen if he was down in the four hundreds then um I'd be all for it but I'd probably be more inclined to go someone like um Wong or Blake personally. Yep, that's fair. And then uh, finishing up with Gutho, so Knights this week in in Newcastle, then the Dragons at home, the Storm up in Brisbane, uh, which is basically like the second home ground for the Melbourne Storm it seems. And then the Cowboys um, away in Townsville, uh, the Panthers at home in their new bank, the uh, new Bankwest Stadium, and round twelve they get the Rabbitohs and again at home at Bankwest. So I think that's actually tougher than it sounds, um, especially with the storm right in the middle there, and uh, the road trip to Townsville never seems to go that well for the Eels. So I do think that's not. The best draw, but uh, it's it's certainly not bad. Obviously, you know, nights this week and uh, you know a depleted 
Rabbitohs in round 12 as well. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's an all right draw again, but I just think uh, for his price at the minute, you, you're probably paying it overs. And it depends how you view the Eels. Like, if you think they're going to continue along and they're going to be like a top five or six team, then, um, yeah, maybe get on. But um, I don't know. There's, for me, watching the games, there's just been too many times where he's um, being dragged out of a hole, like that game against the Roosters where he, he was looking at, at a sub-30 score before... Um, the Roosters suffered a couple injuries up the middle and they were able to get a roll on. So, um, yeah, even like against the Tigers, like everyone was piling on. So um, when it, when your team puts on 50, you're going to score pretty well. And even the Knights, I don't think they're going to be able to get to 50 against them. So a 71, yeah, I, I think he'll be coming down. It's pretty tough. Dragons are a good defensive side, so yeah. No, yeah. That's why, to me, I think the troll would be the best buy. Yep. Um, look, I don't disagree. I don't think he's ever going to be a bad buy. Um, I, I like BJ. I think of those three, that would be my pick at the price and with that draw um, and, and the way he's been playing. Um, the Raiders, I mean, they're, they're looking quite good. And we know BJ is a confidence player, so as as long as the Raiders keep winning, I think BJ will stay interested. And you know, when when BJ is interested, he he obviously goes hard. So uh, I like to look at BJ. He he has shades of 2016 um, in in the way he's playing at the moment. So uh, I'm pretty keen to to jump on soon. All right, so we probably only have time for maybe a couple more questions. So uh, a couple of short ones. So Chris Philp at Philpy6, thoughts on trading out to Powell? Um, I, I, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to trade out to Powell. You definitely want him for round 12. And as as much as he's been relatively disappointing, uh, I think, yeah, I'm just going to keep him to round 12 and you know I'll reassess afterwards whether he is going to be a trade-out for me. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll um I'm I'm on the same line of thinking. He'll he'll definitely be there for twelve for me, and then um after that, yeah, it could be a possible trade to someone like um twelve um uh some yeah someone like him who's going to play um sixteen. But it's just when he's on song, he's just got those offloads and tackle busts, and so I. Oh, I don't know. He's he is out of form a bit, but super coach wise. But yeah, if, if if he hits it again at the end of the season, you're gonna want him in there. So I'll I'll definitely take another couple of weeks to reassess. Yeah, he, he's a round thirteen problem for me. I reckon. Um, all right. So next question: Rod Walker at Bozza one four eight. So it's an interesting one. Any interest from Ryan Sutton as a round twelve pod? Seems he has a high enough PPM and getting enough minutes with Tarpanay out to be worth taking a punt on. So Sutton's actually someone I've been looking at for a couple of weeks now, just as a bit of a um, an, an interesting point. I hadn't really thought of trading him in, but with Tarpanay out, he's out till round 17. Um, since the, all the injuries, Sutton's been averaging for the last four rounds about 50.5 minutes per game, and he's hitting some pretty decent numbers in base. 
so around the 40 high high 40s low 50s um in in those games where he's been playing about 50 minutes so um he's priced you know only at 366,000 i think at the moment quite low for the output so he's certainly an interesting option i just don't think he's going to have much upside um but you know if you really need to downgrade somebody um Ryan Sutton certainly is not the worst option yeah so 366,600 right now and he's got a break even of 17 so he's going to keep going up yeah he i think he started pretty low what did he start at some around the 200s no no he started the because he came over from the super league so he started at 320,000 uh right and the first two weeks though he only got about 13 14 like less than 15 minutes per game yeah but then once Tarpany was out his his minutes jumped straight up to 48 and he's played 48, 56, 45, and 53 last week. So he's definitely, um, yeah, real interesting option. Uh, just he seems a bit of a meat and potatoes kind of guy, though, for me. So, you know, he, he's cheap at the price. Plays around 12, obviously. So he'd be one of those maybe, you know, one of those mid-range options that you might feel comfortable taking a punt on. Noting noting that, you know, obviously Tarpon is out long, long term till round 17. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. He could be a good option there. Uh, it's just there's obviously some pretty good buys out there, um, you know, guys for your weekly 17. Because I, I don't know if I want to play Sutton every week in my 17 from now till around 12. And I guess that, that you know, 360,000 sitting on your bench, you know, not ideal, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's, like, it's a solid score, but there's, there's just other players around that same price who can pump out the same scores. So I'd, I don't think I'd waste the trade on him because you wouldn't want him in the, the end. So that's two trades, one to bring him in, one to get rid of him. Um, so, yeah. yeah, nah, not for me. No, that's fair. Um, so Martin Murphy at 406 Marty, do you think Cleary will make origin? Um, I think yes. I can't see Freddie dropping him. He you know, has the potential to be there for a long time. So, yeah, I think Cleary's going to be there. What about you? Yeah, I agree. And I, I think they've even learned from um, before, like you can't just chop and change all the time, especially those young halves. It, it dented um, Mullen's confidence for ages when they made him the scapegoat. Not There's not really a seven um, in, in the comp that's really outperforming him. Mo- Moses is playing well, but... Oh, I I just yeah I I don't think he's as good as Cleary. So, something needs to be done though with um who he's going to combine with because they're both it's just it's not really working with Maloney. So maybe surely not. surely Luke Cleary's coming in. I yeah, would have thought he's he's nailed on as five eighth. Yeah, I think that's the way they've got to go. And like just the types of players they are, that that's probably a bit of a better combination. I know um, Maloney's there to teach him how to play, but I, I think it's past that now, and I think he's more holding him back rather than helping him out, in my opinion. It's, and it's not... I think a lot of people think that same sort of way too, so... See I just want to hear. I just want to hear Rabs talking about Cleary passing to Kiri and repeating <laughs> yeah. that again and again all, all, all 80 minutes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be good too. I, 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 um, I've 
like the, this was my I've got a theory on um the roosters this week, I think. Um I actually think Lamb's gonna come and I I'd I think we haven't properly discussed this, but I don't I don't know if you, you weren't gonna agree with me or not, but I think Lamb's gonna come from seventeen into the starting side and I think that's gonna keep Latrell in the centres. Um I just think Robbo's a bit more confident to blood the youngster with um with Cronk in the side rather than Keary. Um, Because for how good Keary's going, um, I think that Cronk for him is the perfect foil. And I'm not not sure if Keary's ready to have a rookie that young and still lead the side around, even though he's a bit older now. I I don't think he's that sort of player. So if they do go with Keary, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, Yeah, so looking forward to it. Yeah. So I mean just to just to rebut what you're saying there. Um Lamb came off the bench twice previously and that's obviously with Cronk out. Uh one of those games he actually played the whole second half. Um and, and the other game he played the last 4 minutes. Uh and so that was with, you know, Latrell and Kiri um in the halves there. So I just I'm I'm not as confident. I reckon, you know, they they won both those games as well. So I just think you know Robbo might stick to, uh, you know, what what has worked for him in the past, and that's obviously having Latrell there at five eighth, and and obviously just doing more of a running kind of uh, five eighth role, and then I think Lamb's just there in case something happens injury wise to Kronk, um, and he can you know plug an actual controlling half in there. So. I mean, it will be interesting to see. Obviously, Latrell owners or traders would want him to be stuck at centre rather than um, having to play at 5'8". He went all right. I mean, he scored, uh, I think, 30-odd. And then his other game, he got some nice attacking stats and scored almost 70, I think. So he, he's got, obviously, still the potential to break off a big run um, from 5'8". So I wouldn't... I mean, just given this break even, I think, yeah, if you're going to get him, get him this week. Yeah, I agree. All right, so look, let's finish up with, um, you know, as always, champ or chump. And I think given what's been discussed this week and what's happened, Mitch Moses, he's got to be the guy we're going to have a chat about. So I thought you already started making your, your, your opinion pretty clear about what you thought of Mitch Moses earlier. So would I be right to say you want to, you want to say that Mitch Moses is a bit of a chump? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the chump, but... I will say the Bills are starting to impress me a bit more. So, yeah, we'll see. But, but mate, go ahead and make your case for the champ. All right. So, Moses, look, I'm I'm not going to lie. He's never been my favourite player. Uh, he's always been inconsistent. I think that's pretty clear. Um, but right now, look, at 547,100, break-even of 17, off a massive score of 133 last week, um, but obviously in a 51-point um, scoring spree for the Eels. I mean, even if you look at his scores this season, so 69, 46, 28, 112, 37, 133. Yeah, look, it's not um, the most consistent. But the Eels are scoring a lot of points. And you made the point before that goal kickers um, in high-scoring of teams uh, are helpful. Moses is that. He's a decent kicker. He's not been the best this year, but... You know, he's kicked at 80-plus percent in the past. Um, he's the main man at the Eels, aside from Gutho, uh, who obviously plays off the back of what Moses does. 
so you know he's touching the ball so so often he's very much involved and you know the the back end of 2017 when the eels were really good and and playing strongly i mean moses i think he had a, a really impressive run he scored probably averaged about um you know 80 90 plus across about i think about seven rounds at one point, he scored about 400s in, in the space of six weeks or something ridiculous like that. So we know Moses has the ability to go large repeatedly. Uh, a lot of the issues have been in the past where he just then disappears in games. And look, it, it is the risk you're going to have to take. But looking at the upcoming matchups of Newcastle, uh, the Cowboys, the Panthers, and you know, there's a couple of tons in there potentially. So yeah, Moses the champ, playing round 12 as well. Um, yeah, so I still think he's a champ. So, I mean, the, the, you, you mentioned his consistency. It's it's pretty terrible. Um, yeah, scores over, over six, like 6,900, 1,233, pretty good. But then a 46, a 28, and a 37. Um, you, you just can't. If if you're going to be a a, a gun in super coach, you've got to be a lot more consistent than that. And I mean, he, he's a goal kicking half as well. So you'd think a, a 28 even against the Roosters um, is a bit below par. Um, again, he's playing in a side that's. Whilst I, I've admitted they're improving, I still don't see them as challenging any of the top teams. And he's got the Dragons in Melbourne in the next two, two of the uh, three of his games. Um, by the time he gets to the Dragons, that 133 is going to be ready to fall out. Um, so it, potentially by the time round 12 comes along, he might be on the backward slide anyway. Um, an anecdotal point. Last year, a mate of mine brought him in, captained him for his big score, and then he went on to score bugger or, and he he got trapped holding him and having to play him as a half. Um, nah, he's just until I, yeah, I, mainly he's a chump because of his consistency, and until he can um, show that's an improvement, um, I I can't have him for mine. Fair enough. And where do you really stand? I know, obviously, like I said, we we kind of play it up just for. Our, our little segment there, but so you're pretty firmly in the chump camp, yeah. aren't you? You you you're not high on Moses at all. Nah, I wouldn't begrudge anyone who um has a few extra trades up their sleeve. Their team's got no injuries. They don't they don't want to bring in um so any other cover for Origin or whatever. Maybe getting him as a cash grab, but um unlike Cody Walker, who's in a in a better attacking team um, whose attacking stats you can rely on a bit better. I, I don't think you can rely on Mitchell Moses. It's, it's it's sort of like Lane Shaw, and I've copped a bit of flack on um, for my opinions on Lane, but it, it's taken all these people three or four rounds to get to me since his last good game. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? You get... He could go on a run like Lane again, and you got to wait another three or four games to his next good one. So, yeah, nah, not for me. All right, if, that's if fair. Parra, if Parra can like finish in the top eight and 
he shows some consistent scores this year, then maybe next year I'd change my mind about him. But, um, yeah, he, and, and I guess he is maturing as a player, but nah. Yeah. Look, I think I, I, I probably do agree with you. He's a bit of a flat-track bully. Um, I, you know, you can see the scores, um, you know, have been against... Like when when he comes up against a better defensive team like the Roosters or all the Raiders of this year, that's you know his lowest scores there. And I'm, look, that's not surprising for a half. But when Moses does do that, like he he often goes, you know, definitely much lower than plenty of the other halves. Like you know your Nathan Clearies who who definitely have much a much a of a much higher floor than uh, the the likes of Moses. So. Yeah, I'll be giving him an avoid as well. Like like you said, I couldn't begrudge anyone having a crack with him, though, because, you know, we've seen the ceiling. Um, it's just, I think, you know, potentially these high scores are going to drop out, um, you know, in, in the coming weeks as well. And, and if he doesn't turn up at least once or twice, uh, he could end up averaging, you know, sub sub 50 quite easily. Yeah. All right, so look, we're probably going to wrap this week's podcast up there. So thanks always for everyone uh, for listening. Thanks always to our champs who, who have been supporting us through Patreon. We'd love to have you join us. If you don't know what we're talking about, just hit us up. We'll, um, you know, We can always send out a link if you want to have a bit of a read what we're doing there. But yeah, good luck with this week. It's just worth keeping an eye out that it's starting at 4 p.m. on Thursday this week, okay? Don't get caught out by the earlier than usual lockout. But good luck with your trades. Good luck with your um, captain choices. And we'll catch you next week. Have a good one.